One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, scumbags. This is the Scummy Mummies Podcast. With your hosts, Ellie Gibson and Helen Thorne. I'm Ellie Gibson. And I'm Helen Thorne. And today on the Scummy Mummies podcast, we have a very special guest. Who are you? Daniel Varane. It's Daniel Varane! Hooray! I'm very, very excited to have you. I'm excited too because um, this is a dear friend of Ellie's and she has told me lots about you. She's like, you've got to meet Daniel Varane. And then, can I tell the most embarrassing story? Okay, so... (laughs) Um, they have a very lovely mutual friend, Jonathan, and he, one night, uh, after I became single, he sent this very late night text, and he said, oh, I've got this man that I want you to meet, he's called Daniel Varani, you two are just going to hit it off, and I was like, you don't have to do this, Jonathan, that's so sweet, and then, for some reason, he put together a montage of, of you over music, with, like, photos, like, like, he was presenting you, and I was like, oh, he's gorgeous, he's lovely, and in the morning, I was like, oh, Ellie, I think, I think John's trying to set me up with Daniel and she was just like, bah, bah. I, like yeah. I don't think you're Daniel's type. It's nothing personal. I'm not, not sure anyone with a vagina is Daniel's type. Would that be would that be fair to say, Daniel? Yeah, I'd say it's it's close to the truth. Yeah, yeah. let's yeah. let's just out him in the first yeah. two minutes. Yeah, let's get that out. Yeah, of the let's way. let's yeah. yeah. yeah let's define you by your sexual was that embarrassing for which one of us is that embarrassing know. for? I'm not sure. <laughs> I thought just well, let's get I'd it say out. Jonathan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It did, but it did present itself in a, in a way of like, here's a here's a possible suitor for you, Helen. I said, I'd also oh, love to see it. I yeah. would really love oh, to see oh, it. Oh, I'll show it Thank to you, you later. We yeah. might put it in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yes, <laughs> who knows? By the end of the episode, perhaps you'd have changed your mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are in my hotel room. Uh, this is it in Brighton? I mean, all sorts of things yeah. get up to in Brighton. If I see both of you wink at me, I'll just quietly leave that the door. <laughs> you can just carry on. Carry Ellie, on. Can you go to Tesco's to get me some things for yeah. fifty minutes? Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, yes. Welcome to the Scummy Mummy. <laughs> conversion therapy episode <laughs> we're better than Brighton to do yes. this um, I feel like we I feel like we once again we've just made it about us and not about our guest Helen I think um, so Daniel Varani mm. for the listener for anyone who miraculously has not heard of you oh. for some stupid reason who are you Daniel Varani I am a second generation Italian immigrant uh, grown up in North London love to cook love to talk about cooking 
and have recently moved down to Hove to the Coast, where oh, we are. Which is, hence where the we seagulls. Are now, hence the oh, I know, we've got such ambiance. Uh, and we're down here for a couple of gigs, and we thought we would just squeeze you in, Daniel Varane, mm, for, a, for, a, for a little podcast session. But also, you've, you've travelled the world, um, and I think this is the first time we've had someone from an airline on the podcast, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you an were an air steward, is that right? I was, yes, a long time ago. And now, is, is it grounded? Is that the technical... Are That's you grounded? It. Wings clipped. Wings clipped? Wings chopped off oh. uh, and grounded, yes. But it was a wonderful time. It was probably one of the best... Well, one of the best. It was 15 years of my life. And it was... Oh. And I ended up working in Australia, too. Did you? Yes, I was out-based in Brisbane. Uh, saw Australia like nobody else, I think. I saw it... I basically traced where anyone from Neighbours had moved. <laughs> so... <laughs> And I remember calling home to my mum and I was like, oh my God, I've just been to Hobart. I, I was trying to, we were trying to work out who moved there and we think it was Pam Willis's daughter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You remember Gabby? Hot Gabby. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And because Carly Gabby and Jason... Married to Paul. They oh, went to Queensland. They went to Brisbane. Which is where I lived, which oh, was brilliant. Amazing. I loved it. Yeah, so... Um, I have to be honest with you, when I was a little girl, I had three career aspirations. You know when people ask you what you want to be? I wanted to be an astronaut mm-hmm. uh, or a video games journalist, which I miraculously managed to achieve or an air hostess that was honestly those were my my Mm. three dreams now I've achieved one of them is it too late to go for number two there is still uh, there is absolutely still time well if Jeff Bezos can go hang on no wait I mean uh, (laughs) (laughs) yes so what does it take to be a really good hostess because I think you know we all know the ones instantly when you're a passenger the ones who are warm and smile Mm. and you know I like I like a light touch on the shoulder they're like are you okay oh, like a little uh, light I'm not sure we still approve that it depends if you're in a live flat bed or not okay. I suppose. That's, that's how you would determine whether it's okay to reach out and touch yeah uh, what's it take I think you've got to love hospitality you've got to really love people mm. and that for me was one of the big draws you meet people from all walks of life and you meet people in all various stages of their life like some people are traveling for the first time or sometimes they're traveling because someone is really ill you've got to be compassionate you've got to be patient you've got to be resilient mm. uh you've got you need a good pair of knees because a you're good on the pair mark. of knees <laughs> you oh, do. I thought you said yeah, a good yeah, no, you absolutely. do you're okay. down all the time yeah that, oh, uh, a pair of know. knees yeah. okay yes yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> but is so. it as kind of glamorous as as it looks because when i was a little girl i just saw like the uniform mm. and like i love planes i love flying i love all that and i thought oh gosh that, but now when i get on a plane i'm like oh my god this is really it's, hard it's work, really hard it? and it's not i'll tell you if i can tell you something about my very first flight ever yes so. yes I was super excited. I wanted to be an air steward my whole life, right? So I remember meeting my mum's cousin who was an air hostess when I was about six or something. And everyone was like, oh, what celebrities have you served? And where's the best place you've been? And I was like, how do you cook all the food? How many glasses do you have on board? Like, what do you do if you... I was interested in all the nitty gritty and the logistics. Anyway, so I had this first flight and it was amazing. It was wonderful. It was, uh, I felt really, I did feel glamorous and I felt I'd achieved something. And then. At the end of the flight, this lady comes up to me and she was like, devastated. She was like, I've lost my engagement ring. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, okay, right. Where did you leave it? Where do you think it went? She goes, well, I took it off in the toilet to put some hand cream on and I left it on the flap that you is on dickhead. top of the bin. Why would you on do On top of well, the bin? On top of, she left it on top of the bin? She pointed exactly to the flap and I was like, okay, all right, well, you know, uh, with all the zeal and enthusiasm of someone on their first flight, I opened the bin. Oh, Daniel. Uh, the sick bags were still warm. Oh! through every single piece of trash in that bin and it wasn't there at which point she said oh my god I'm so sorry I meant the one at the back 
And so I had to go down and do the whole thing all over again. And as I was sat, like, you can imagine what was in there, just well, well. all this stuff. Um, her daughter came running up and said, oh, we found your ring. You left it in the seat pocket. <gasps> and the two of them just walked away. And I was sat on the floor covered in, well, right. covered in trash. Oh, oh my God. So to anyone God. who says, is it glamorous? Yes, it can be. <laughs> but there is an element of hyper-realness to the job. <laughs> She's doing some really gross things, you know. Oh my um, god. Yeah, false but, teeth. And that was left your on first trains. date. False teeth. False teeth left on the dinner train. You think, well, you must have used them to eat. <laughs> <laughs> are you taking Where them are out are to they? rinse your gums? Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll put the glue back on. I don't know. But oh. they end up, so you're rifling through trolleys of old food. But it always happens at the end of the flight. So everything's been sat there for a good seven mm. or eight hours, kind of fermenting. There's juices kind of. You know, and, yeah. and you've worked in first class, haven't you, and yes, good old yes. economy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's worse to deal with? Or, or is it, are, are all humans oh, just listen, dreadful? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't, I can't say, can I? Uh, people, people, people. So, right. you know, there is something really nice about working in first class because you get to know the people a lot more intimately because you're working with them for a good, like, 10 hours straight. You're putting them to bed. You're waking them up from, you know, from their sleep. You're preparing kind of an individual, real individual service for that person, so you get to know a lot about them. Um, but then again, you know, in economy, you've got people who are families travelling together. They've got their own story as well as to where they're going and why they're going there, so you get to know them too. So in terms of the kind of disgusting things that happen to people, that happens to people whether you're paying to sit mm. up the front or to sit at the back. Excellent. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I have told this story before, but on a flight to Singapore, my daughter weed so much in a seat they had to replace the entire seat. Oh. Yeah, yeah. But that was a child, so it's okay. It yeah, happens yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and the woman came out with like plastic gloves on and just went kunk. And then I, I was so surprised that they had an actual spare seat underneath. And yeah. she went down a ladder and came back holding an entire new chair. A new chair? Oh my god. I know we've, we've got to, we do have about 10 or 11 seat covers for, you know. Yeah. If things yeah. get bumpy, shall we say, or yeah. you, know, you don't know, this is a bit of a rough ride, which doesn't happen often. But, yeah. you know. And I guess yeah. also the class in the airplane doesn't necessarily reflect. So I think like when I took my parents to Japan last year and I paid for them to go business class, put myself in economy because, you oh, know, money. Insane. But because I'm such a great person, that's lovely. Uh, I put them in, in the posh class because um, so, my mum's got bad hips and legs and she, she couldn't go basically unless she could stretch out. So anyway, as I say, really good person, did all that. They turned up at the airport with one like hand luggage sized suitcase each and I was like what are you doing and they were like well we didn't want to go over the weight oh my and I was God, like that's so no it's business class you can bring a fucking elephant like yeah. it doesn't matter yeah. and they were like no 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 and then on the, I was like well fine whatever we got on the plane no on, on about day four I was like dad you've got all soy sauce and like <laughs> squid juice down your jumper like can you wear a different jumper tomorrow it's kind of embarrassing and he went well I haven't got another jumper and I was like what and he's like, well, I've only bought one jumper. <laughs> so you've bought one jumper to, to Japan, Japan for a week. And he's like, well, I didn't want to pack too much. <laughs> I was like, Gross. <laughs> yes, with his 10 kilo luggage allowance. What's the price of a business class ticket to Japan? I don't, think don't even ask. I know. My parents did something similar. Because obviously we get free flights after a certain amount of time. And the first trip I was able to use them, I put my parents into, I think they were in, they were in business going to Miami. And I was working on the flight. It was a surprise. Oh, And it lovely. was really cute. But they got on, and obviously because I was so worried about getting into trouble about my free flights, I was like, do not accept a massage, do not accept the luxury amenity kit, 
uh, don't press the call bell. Um, you, know, you just have a terrible time. <laughs> yeah. Don't even go so, to the don't toilet. Look at anyone. Exactly. Don't, don't embarrass me. Don't, don't talk. talk to anyone. Don't your engagement ring on the bin for God's exactly. sake. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so off I went to work, and about four hours in, like everything had finished, all the lights went down, and um, the person came up from the front, and she said, um, "Dan, is it your folks sitting, you know, in, in in business?" And I was like, "Yeah." And she was like, "Do you want to go down and offer them a drink or something?" And she was like, "They haven't had a single thing." Like, <laughs> And I went oh. down and everyone had like lied their bed flat and was going to sleep and my, my two folks were sat there like bolt upright like this and she had just asked the stewardess if she could go to economy to have the dinner. Oh. And I felt like I had ruined <laughs> their first experience no, of anything did. like yeah, completely destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> I hope the last half of the flight was a little bit more comfortable for them. Oh. I think so, I think so. Oh my God, I did feel really bad after that. Like give, give with one hand and then like literally rip it out with the other. Oh. <laughs> And what about, this is a hot hot topic for Thor at the moment, what about naughtiness in the air? Do you get people trying to join with the Mile High Club? Do you know? Do you know? And do you turn a blind eye? Or do you help them out? <laughs> <laughs> Depends who it is, yeah. No, there's a, there is, yes, okay, so yes, it does happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, we don't help them out. We help them out of the toilet. Oh! Right. You know, that's the, that's the thing you have to, you can't turn a blind eye to it. It's not... Um, it's, it's so obvious. It's just, it is really obvious. It's quite loud. <laughs> it's never quiet. There's a real shaky, like, those, it, yeah. it rattles. The ashtray in the door rattles. <laughs> that's, the, that's the giveaway. You, know, you, you know, have you can to hear you the know, completion. So, yeah, it's literally like, yes, exactly. <laughs> that weird rumbling that everyone has asked about, <laughs> terrified <laughs> that you know, oh the engines God. are about to fall off. Oh, no, that's just, you know. Oh, it's just about turbulence. That's just uh, 56 and 57 E and F. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so um, when you see people, do you see? Do you ever catch people going in? Do you do you knock on the door and politely say, mm, "Excuse me, this is a fucking aeroplane," or do you <laughs> or an aeroplane fucking? This is not <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. We don't. Uh, it's just a, a very kind of loud and assertive knock on the door. <gasps> There's also, you know, I, I won't I won't share how, but you can unlock a door from the outside. I mean, maybe everyone knows that already. Ooh. Yeah. So I think very carefully before. Have you ever done? Have you ever opened the door to find? Not to that. No. No. Okay. Normally for like a you know very uh, very genuine reason. I don't make a habit of doing it. I should make that very clear. I didn't make a habit. Do people still try and get away with smoking? Yes. Oh my god. Yes. Yeah. 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 There was this really. I think I don't want to. I didn't want to be libelous in any way, but I think there was an article, and I'm sure it was Jeremy Clarkson who wrote this article about how to get away with smoking on an aeroplane and, oh. and which was of course completely ridiculous and completely wrong and, and it didn't work but there was this like weird period afterwards where everyone like thought oh I know according to I'm going to do a class Jessa, then. You can yeah. Go, yeah you can go to the you can go to the toilet and do A, B and C and it will work and of course it doesn't no. and um it is really dangerous thing to do. And air on an aeroplane is kind of precious, so you know, you're breathing a lot and you can smell cigarettes a mile away. Did you ever fly when cigarette smoking was still a thing? No. Okay. Thank God, because it must have been absolutely disgusting. I, know, I remember a friend saying he went Turkish airs and um, the, one, the front half was smoking and the back half was yeah. not smoking. And like the difference was absolutely fucking nothing. Was, people used to say that people would get up and go for a walk in the smoking air. <laughs> unlucky person that had like checked in late and it was like here you are madam you're smoking seed you'd have been not only surrounded by smokers but also people like wandering in for a, a cigarette uh. with their whiskey and then walking back out which is just disgusting <laughs> it's oh. so awful. or like the little do you remember the little flap in the armrest that you yeah, push yeah, yeah, down yeah. it's like now it's just 
I guess, chewing gum in there and weird crap like Well, I don't think you get them anymore. No, I think they've, they've upgraded the, the handrests yeah. now, but yeah. yeah. I was on Ryanair the other week. They've taken the fucking seat pockets away. It was like, seat pockets? <laughs> we can't have seat pockets anymore. Where am I going to put my you Kindle? You can't be too comfortable. <laughs> They have tight turnarounds. You need to get on and get off. I was like, I'll give you four pounds if I've got somewhere yeah. to put me Kindle, if that helps. Oh, it's bizarre. Right. That's a good idea for making some more. Yeah. A bit of extra, you know? Yeah, exactly. I'm surprised I haven't thought oh, of it. I could say, you get what you pay for, Ellie, but, you know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> one fucking flight down there, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, wasn't a choice, mate. Um, so what about dreadful celebrities, Daniel? Have you, have you had to do... I mean, you probably can't talk about I it. Probably, I probably... And I wouldn't. Yes. I wouldn't, because I'm a consummate professional. That's right. But let me tell you about the time... I, no, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, no, I have to say, you do... You, that's another thing. If you're going to be... If you're going to go into that line of work, you've got to be sensible in that respect, because people... You get up close and personal with a lot of celebrities, and I did, and I have to say that every single person was wonderful. Really? I was really lucky. I have heard horror stories. Yeah. You, know, you hear horror stories about the same old people all the time, but the people that I have met are absolutely wonderful, and they've been charming, they've been uh, really interested in like in our life and our stories and what we're doing and all that kind of stuff. Because mm. um, they must I, feel quite vulnerable. Like They're trapped in. It's not yeah. like they can kind of fuck off on, if they're on a 12-hour flight to... You know, Australia or whatever. You yeah. know, there's and a real sneak trust. in to try and take pictures of Do them. They? Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's it's shitty. really awful. I yeah. did a flight with. Um, we were taking Mo Farah to. I think. I think it was Nairobi. He was going, lots of athletes go there to train, mm. and it was before the Olympics. And he was just minding his own business, and he was the sweetest guy in the whole mm. wide world. And people just did not leave him alone. Mm. They kept like coming through the curtain, and some people like taking selfies and stuff. And. He was exhausted. Okay, sorry, I thought this was a smoking area. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we, you know, we did our best to look after him. We moved him to a different area of the aeroplane and we really looked after him. And he was so grateful. And funny enough, he was staying at the same hotel as us at the other end. So he came and joined us for dinner. Oh, I mean, it was just a dream. Oh, that's dream. really nice. I want to have dinner yeah, with both. Yeah, really, 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 really lovely. He was such a sweet guy. Um, God, loads of them. Oh, and I remember I didn't know who David Gandhi was until I actually met him. Oh, I don't know who David mm, Gandhi is. Mm, oh my God, you mm, must. Who's David mm, Gandhi? Mm. I'll have oh to show God. you a picture. He's, He's a, so a model. Oh. oh, my God. Oh, no, wait, with the... Uh, very, he did Dolce & Gabbana adverts. Oh. You know when oh, they're out on the so boat? Chiseled. In the white Oh, trunks. that one. Oh, I know him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, I'm very familiar with his work. Oh, You'll be gosh, thinking of him this afternoon, Ellie, oh, after lunch. for the bank. <laughs> He's... Uh, indeed, yeah. <laughs> I recall this moment oh. often. Yeah, he was... He, I, he, he'd asked me for... Um, Anything. <laughs> he asked me for this tea, and I remember I went back to the galley, and I was saying to the guys, I was like, Jesus Christ, yes. this man is just so beautiful. Well, of course, that's all it takes. If you want people to leave the galley, you just have to say seat number and attractive, and everyone's gone. Fly <laughs> up. And, um, and they came back and they said, Oh, that's David Gandhi. And I was like, Who is he? They're like, Famous international model. And I was like, Oh, okay. So, of course, then there's me going back with a cup of tea. Immediately before would have been fine. I spilled the tea absolutely everywhere. <laughs> oh, sorry, it appears to be on your trousers. Let me Why don't you a... take those off <laughs> and I'll dry them for you? Oh, my God. <clears throat> oh, dear. Yeah, charming guy. Oh, so, how funny. Yeah. Yeah, now we do have a friend, Jonathan, who we've mentioned previously, uh, who has a story about Diana Ross, isn't that right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't believe it was on your airline, by the it way. Wasn't, no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Uh, and uh, it was obviously a long time ago, but she was travelling on Concord and had with her this hat box and she was extremely reluctant to give it up and so ensued this um, tussle between the chief steward and Diana Ross with this hat box and in the end she was just like oh fucking have it then and she threw this hat box over to him the lid came off and out popped a chihuahua <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> which I guess she was hoping to house in the over. I mean, I should say it was Concord, so it yeah, been, anything goes. It yeah. would have it would only been three hours in a little box. Maybe they can survive mm, that. Still, still, dog in a box, man. A yeah, small, like sushi-sized pedigree charm or something. I don't know. Like, <laughs> oh maybe wow, amazing! So, because mm. you couldn't get away with any of that now. Like the security stuff is just. Because did you see the change? Like, did you? Yeah, well, I, I joined after September the 11th. Okay. But it was very clear, like everything is drummed into you. I joined just after, so you, you're fully aware that everything was easy. And also you guys remember, like when we used to fly when we were younger, the door was always, I used to sit in the flight deck seat. They used mm. to bring you up and let you sit in there and stuff. Yeah. The idea of which is just utterly insane if you think about it now. Yeah, you're getting like, children near near the controls. Well, just, yeah. <laughs> well, no, I was thinking of people angry because of a delay, oh. kind of like pushing the throttle a bit harder or something. I don't know, just, <laughs> people, you know, people want to complain. They want to go to the top. So they'd be marching in, talking about you know their their horrible meal or their lack of free luggage or something. Yeah, they'd be yeah. taking that to the captain straight away. Yeah. Mm. So, um, just to. I'm aware that we're just now talking about the airline stuff because I'm just living out my no I'm living out my <laughs> fantasy of being an air steward vicariously through your career Daniel yeah. um, what are some tips for people how do you be a good passenger how yeah. do you be mm. kind to the air staff oh my gosh how do you become just be be kind be polite mm. understand that for every demand you have there's another 400 people doing the same yeah they've all also got chihuahuas in hat boxes they've also got chihuahuas in hat boxes yeah <laughs> um and I think, think logically about what you're doing. Understand that booze is a lot stronger in the air. <laughs> is it? I yes, it yeah. is. It's not a myth. It's true. So for every drink on the for every drink on the aeroplane, it's like having three on the ground. No. So people do really crazy stuff. Like they'll take a sleeping tablet and then have three gin and tonics, mm-hmm. and then end up taking off all their clothes. <laughs> Sorry. Now, if they're David Gandhi, that's less of a problem. Unfortunately, he didn't drink and he didn't take um, So, yeah, so think about that. Stay hydrated. Be prepared. Don't put your medication in a suitcase that gets checked in and then pass out. Uh, that happens all the time. Do you have medication? Yes. Where is it? In the hold. Okay. <laughs> I once I once turned up with an old boyfriend, turned up in Venice at midnight, and our luggage was not there and I was like that's alright well they'll deliver it it's fine he's like yeah no no my asthma inhaler's oh, in the luggage yeah. and I was like why yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway it was a good time did you just leave him to no I to went he didn't speak his, he didn't speak any Italian I oh, spoke four words I'm so sure I asthma is it sounds Italian asthma, asthma that's what I went for yeah. so I went and found the all night pharmacy and, and just mimed him having a choking attack which wasn't <laughs> difficult because I wanted to strangle him uh, and Did the then pharmacist we... go there's this mad English woman trying to kill herself <laughs> I'm pretty sure the pharmacist was saying in Italian why the fuck would you put your inhaler in your fucking luggage you morons uh, so oh. uh, he survived the night <laughs> But then, <laughs> nice that we've landed in Italy because that's, that's one of the reasons we've got you on the podcast. Because mm. it is currently our favourite country, isn't it, Ellie? Yes, that's for many, right. many reasons. Many reasons. <laughs> and um, I want to talk about your your upbringing because mm. at the beginning of the podcast you were saying you're second generation Italian, and there's something interesting about second generation um, uh, immigrants in in countries because they their parents hold on to the time that they left that country. Almost yes, the most freeze framed right. in that time. Correct. Yeah, and all the families like mine will have the narrative of oh, you know, your grandfather arrived with one bag, which is true. I mean, it's true. the story is true. And my parents came from an area where there was really, really, really serious rural poverty. So they're from the north? They're from the right? north. And essentially after the war, there was huge, huge exodus of people from Italy because there was nothing there. Um, and countries were like inviting them in. I think 
in my family, people came over to work in steel mills in the UK or something like that. There was this um, call to work. and In the 60s, this was? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, uh, it would have been, yeah, like early 60s, I think. Um, and so, yeah, there's this story of, like, how they came to England. Um, my pe- my mum grew up in a house that had one room up, one room down, but the room downstairs was for cattle. So they lived above the cattle and it used to keep their house warm and stuff like wow. that. So there's this idea of Italy when you're growing up of being this this of being this like rural kind of um i don't know this rural kind of simple place that you know so of course when you go as a child and it's been like 20 years since they've been back and they've got you know fridges and cars you're kind of surprised about it but of course it's you know i was very lucky i used to get back to it every year Mm. and so i did know but my cousins in america for example some of them have never been to italy yet and so when you go over they're really shocked that you know Italy is not from the Italy of the black and white photographs that they're looking at of of that rural poverty that people left behind and the parents in those families are really keen to make sure that our traditions and language and culture continues and, and stays on so my cousins in Italy always think that we are like of a kind of backward time we've come in this bubble <laughs> and I've, I even know because they say like we don't say that anymore like <laughs> Like, why are you all acting like fucking Dolmeo puppets? Well, yeah. What's wrong with you? No, not quite. But the, it's like the equivalent, I think it's the equivalent of going like, oh, gee whiz. Like, like, like something from Back to the Future. Zang. You know, yeah, exactly. Um, and it, in fact, even my cousins in Italy, they, in, uh, in America, they think or they thought that they were fluent in Italian, but they weren't. They were fluent in a dialect that is kind of dying out almost. So it's even that makes you mm. appear like from... Uh, an era gone by, you know, that, 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 that there's something very different about people. But it's something that's very important because I think as we, you know, as, the, as we move forwards in time, countries are not losing their identity, but everything's becoming a lot more assimilated or homogenized. Yeah. And so this idea of family and the, the cultural values of um, how we eat and how we interact with each other, um, it's really important to keep that going. So growing up then in North London with these Italian parents, did you have a sense that your the parenting style that you were, I was going to say, being subjected to? <laughs> But the, what was going? Did you have a sense that what was going on in your family in your home was was different, kind of culturally, or in terms of parenting style yes. to your English friends? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the first things that my granddad basically lived with us, and um, he was there all the time. So I was constantly talking about him, and I noticed that lots of my English. Uh, classmates or school, or school friends found that quite surprising that I lived with my granddad and I used to go out with him at the weekend he didn't speak any English even though he'd lived in England for like 30 years or something he didn't mm. speak a word so I used to be his translator and I used to go to like the chemist and like translate things about I don't know whatever medication Asthma he inhaler that he well, what I didn't know about like you know pensions and bank statements and <laughs> you know, overdraft charges and all this stuff in Italian <laughs> I knew. so that was already like one thing that was a bit different I think our culture around eating like there was never a chance of me not having dinner at home ever Mm. Um, especially on a Sunday that was just absolutely not so that was and I've I have to be honest, I'm, I'm happy about that. But at the time, looking back, oh I hated God, it. it's so boring. Oh, I was so fucking annoyed about it. Like yeah. I just wanted to go out with my friends. Like, you know, I knew that they were on a roundabout somewhere, smoking cigarettes and like <laughs> drinking. What was that lemon thing? Like hooch. hooch. Oh, <laughs> and that to me was like, oh my God, you know, that's what I could be doing instead. I'm at home, like you know, cooking something with my mum. But actually, I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. You don't get me, that time back. You don't get that time back. Mm. Um, 
But I guess, yeah, that's not to say that everyone was out drinking hooch and smoking cigarettes, but it's what I wanted to do. I think I in, the, in 90s Britain, if that's what we're talking about. I mean, I, I mean, can I say that? It kind of did. It's yeah, that's, that was yeah. my recollection. Literally <laughs> everyone, that's what we were doing. And I think that's, I that was the year, the year that I could, like, when I turned 15 was the year that, like, picture and pianos opened. Oh, yes. And that was, like, the place to go, and I could not <laughs> go. And I was like, oh, my God, I'd go past the picture and piano in Angel and be like, oh, my friends are there. <laughs> Back of my dad's oh. car, like, you know, going to someone's, like, my granddad's house or something. But then... Um, Another thing is, of course, I refer to my cousins. I'm talking about people that are technically my third or fourth cousins, but right. which I think lots of my English friends are like, mm, they're not really your cousins. Anymore. You can you can have sex with them, but, and it's fine. Uh, so not for Italian people, you couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Did I mean, I'm, sure, I'm sure it happens, yeah, but no, no one really talks about it. Still, <laughs> that level of incest is still taboo. But, um, but yeah, good to clarify. <laughs> Just to make that clear. But, um, but yes, yeah, so our family is so much bigger mm. and I guess that's kind of like a stereotype as well isn't it that the families are so much bigger um, which is weird though because I think Italy is still one of the I think it's one of the only countries in Europe where more people are dying than are being born yeah so I your population is so the population is actually shrinking and that's quite sad because it means I guess in future that this kind of large family and the that I know it's a stereotype not every family in Italy gets on lots of people hate each other too let's clear about that. They're, they're a passionate they're, bunch. They're very passionate about things. Um, oh, I so saw it was amazing. I'd lunch in, where were we? Trapea the other week and there was this massive family of like 15 people and four of them had a fucking Barney right outside. They, <laughs> they didn't go outside for it but they, these four lads, they went outside. They, it was it was like, it was like the movies. I'm not going to lie. It was, well, like, yeah. it was like all the hand gestures like, bah, 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 bah. it was like, oh, and we were all sitting there going, oh, this Are you sure so it was cool. a Barney? Were they just having a conversation? Well, this was it. We thought it was a Barney. They were just talking about, you know, the colour to paint the Room. Exactly, <laughs> but it was very animated. And they were proper, and they, they were men, and they were getting in each other's face. And then a woman went out to have a cig. I thought she was going to calm things down. And she just stood there smoking, and then, <laughs> like, and it was it was really exciting. And then yeah, and then they all just kind of came in and sat down and ate fucking four yeah, courses. I think they and then it turned just... out it was the nonna's 80th birthday, and we all oh. sang anniversary, happy happy birthday, <laughs> and they all laughed at my Italian, and it was all mar. It was just marvelous. It was lovely. It was just a standard convo. There just was yeah. standard, nothing, yeah. Nothing. Yeah, we. I, I think that was something for my partner Ryan when he first came to our house and we had dinner um, there's this really weird thing when I go home for dinner I don't know if it happens to other people but everyone assumes their previous role in life like oh, so yeah, yeah. the you table can... setting is exactly the same my mum sits in the chair that she's always sat in my dad sits in his place and we kind of go back to this kind of slightly squabbly a bit shouty and afterwards Ryan was like do you talk like that all the time and we, <laughs> we shout I mean we actually scream and there's a lot of like Oh, for fuck's sake. Um, you know, I'll tip so fucking stupid and things like that, but that's just. Yeah. The, I guess the volume is turned up, mm. right? Is that is that fair enough? I mean, that's fair enough. But I'm can just, you say I'm that just thinking, does that? I'm just thinking, is that an Italian thing, or is it that my family's quite Italian? Because that sounds like a very familiar <laughs> scenario yeah. where you also have a suddenly you all Italian? revert psychologically twenty years, yeah, yeah, and you're yeah, all you. telling each other to fuck off. Yeah. But then, yes, also I, pass I, the potatoes. Lots of, yeah. lots of sh- yeah, exactly. Yeah. And oh my god, what are you talking about? By the way, these are delicious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. And we just kept saying to you, whenever we get together, Ryan just like he goes, "Your poor dad." You just give it to him all the time. He just gets it from all angles. because <laughs> he's quite placid. He's quite, mm. you know. So he'll just sit and like kind of, and everyone else is like screaming at him. And I think that's part of the reason as well is that he's so calm, and everyone else is just so like rowdy. It's like, why won't you bite? You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, and um, yeah. So I guess maybe in that respect we're different. Maybe not. It sounds like we're 
kind of similar to. I'm just, I'm just very Italian. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced. <laughs> well, you're learning. I'm convinced that I'm secretly Italian, Daniel. I'm convinced that one day I'm going to find out I was adopted yeah. uh, by these English, boring English people, and actually my name is Sophia. <laughs> <laughs> Spaghettiana, I don't know. I don't know. Something romantic. My uh, my grandma's maiden name was Ferrari, and I've always grown up so disappointed that I didn't have that name. Daniel oh, Ferrari. Danny, Danny oh. Ferrari. I think he's also a DJ, isn't he? Is like, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, oh that... but yeah, Danny Daniel Ferrari. <laughs> That is a cool name. I'd, I'd marry if you were the called Daniel Ferrari. The hand just goes out. Like, yeah. Oh, whether you'd like it or Danny not. Danny Ferrari. Mm. So right. let's talk about food then. So yeah. food, as, as is the stereotype, but I know it was a big part of your growing up and your yes, family it was. life, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was. Yeah. Yeah. My dad had a cafe in Angel, um, which my other granddad worked in, his dad worked in, and my uncle worked in. And so I was, from a really early age, um, employed. I use the term employed loosely because there was no pay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, I used to go with I think I was probably about seven was my earliest recollections of going and I used to have to get up at like three o'clock on a Saturday morning and my dad used to take me to Smithfield Meat Market and it was the most disgusting experience of my entire life I oh, absolutely wow. hated it it mm. was so gross but I was involved in all of it so I was like you know pick this up now and I was like oh god like holding some I don't know carcassy bit or something that you, you have to get but so from the very beginning so uh, in the cafe every Saturday and surrounded by food. I mean, that was quite literally the business. It was all about food, it was about prep, it was about how to avoid waste, what to do with waste. So like, you know, things aren't just used for today's meal. Like there's something that will not be used for what we're cooking today that's gonna to be used tomorrow. Um, yeah, so food is very important. And actually, in my family's friends, they often talk about each other within the context of where their business was or where their cafe was. So they'd be like, oh, you know, Steph from who's got the cafe on Old Kent Road or, you know, Luigi who's got the cafe in Angel or, you know, Finchie Road or Swiss Cottage. That's how they all kind of connected with each other. Mm. Um, I've often thought about why they all kind of went into that. And I guess often you hear that England wasn't a very foodie place back in the 60s and the 70s and yeah. probably into the 80s, I mm. guess. And so there was an opportunity for really amazing food to be brought to English people who were, I guess, who were working and, you know, they're not, I, I don't know, were people bringing packed lunches in in the 60s? I, I am not sure. But they would go and have, like, some really amazing food that either my, in my dad's cafe, it was a case of my mum used to make lots of the dishes at home and they would get put into this big freezer in the garage and then taken in the next day. And then my grandma would do the same for my uncle's uh, cafe. And so people were eating really delicious, like, home-cooked Italian food when they didn't really know much about what it actually was mm -hmm. um, and those businesses thrived like they really did and it generated more business it generated like um, import and export businesses all the delis that used to have around Clerkenwell Kings Cross um, that's a really Italian area because of the Italian church being there um, I don't know if anyone's ever been there, but it's a really beautiful church. Not a big church yeah. person, but I'm sure it's lovely. I try to go once a year, you know, Christmas Eve. Oh. I, I want Easter too. Um, yeah, lovely. So that's a, that was the heart of the Italian community. So yeah, lots of delis, lots of... So food is kind of just moved with the community. Mm. Um, and Italians won't really tolerate shit food. Mm. So if you go to Italy, for example, you, I don't think I've ever had a bad meal out. I've I think had you have, very I think, few. I think you get yeah. ripped off. I mean, if, yeah, you, know, if you don't places, know where you're going, yeah. yes, mm. of course. But in general, like people just will not accept it. And also, people know so much about it anyway through their own family and their parents and stuff. So they know what a good pizza should be, or they know what a good lasagna should taste like, or they know like when a salad is fresh and when it's kind of not so fresh and not yeah. really to be. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, 
is there is there a danger in a rigidity around that though i've talked to some italians who said to me you know that's great but then the problem with that is there's there's one specific way that everything oh God, has that to be so done true. and also it we don't want so your chinese right. food we don't want your curry oh we've God. got food what's wrong with our you food so just right. eat this you are so right you're so right <laughs> they are so puritanical about their food like mm. i remember um the, the main example is spaghetti bolognese, right? Which you sh- just technically doesn't exist. You shouldn't have spaghetti with bolognese. But who really cares? It's pasta. And actually use it if you haven't got anything else. And I made it once for a friend of mine, uh, my Italian friend Tamara, who is... Oh, she's so picky about the food. And she was like, I'm not eating it. <laughs> what? I was like, well, you can eat it. She was like, no, I'm not eating it. This is not, this is, this is not Italian. This is not Italian food. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. Why? What was, what was her complaint? She doesn't like spaghetti with bolognese. People are really oh, fussy just the about spaghetti. It wasn't even the ingredients in the, in well, the sauce. You know, the bolognese was quite delicious. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't because... Was, the ragu was, it, was nice. But yeah, she, was she was fussy about... She, and it, I mean, and it, she's also really fussy with Italian. Like, if you don't use the right tense at the right time, she'll put, that's another thing that they like to oh, be... No. That, well, you must know from your lessons what they're like they're really oh, like, the, I'm, the grammar is 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 a, a literal nightmare yeah. but um but the, the Italian, when i try and speak it, i know i get it wrong all the time but italians have been very tolerant with me and very you and know sometimes they laugh in my face but i quite enjoy that as well <laughs> in a warm way yeah in a nice way in a welcome way no people are quite pernickety and i guess that's because culture is so important to them and so when they have this idea of um i think you know antonio coluccio was given like the equivalent of an MBE in Italy for his services to food because he had started this he and with these other chefs they started this global campaign against like shit bolognese and they would go to these restaurants like strike it down and make this like list of places that had got it all wrong Um, again it's because they don't want they they want to keep that culture in in a place where everything is becoming assimilated I guess Mm. but in in terms of your point about Chinese food or going for a really good curry probably not going to happen no I I lived in or worked in Italy uh, in Venice for three months and I love a pizza love an Aperol spritz love love a pasta love a fritto misto um but I did get people from London to bring me over some curry paste yeah. um, because I was just craving something slightly different. Like yeah. I just remember I was like, oh, I need a green curry or, or something else. Cause I think in, I mean, Venice is very commercial and things like that, but I just, it's, it's funny growing up in Australia when there's such a mix of cultures and I'm yeah. used to such diversity of food and I would eat Italian all day, all long. But yeah, after three months, I just wanted a different I think palette. You we, know, it's um, really it's, yeah. in, we take it for granted, especially growing up in London that you can get what you want kind of when you want and that means whether it's prepared for you or if you have to get an ingredient from a specific shop that specific shop will exist and I'm sure again like I'm massively generalising about Italy but if you go to the big cities I'm sure you can actually find it but my life Mm. is in our small town which is up in the mountains and there's not even the demand like if you said you were cooking Chinese food for a Chinese dish or something people probably say why? Well, because it's no really good, you know. And yeah. well, you know, there's um, my my the funniest thing. I remember me and my sister used to tease my granddad, and I said to him, "I was like, but um, you know that pasta comes from China, right? Yeah, and the noodles. Yeah, yeah. I was like, it, it comes from China, and he was like, and the Romans, what they eat, Chinese food. <laughs> That was his reply to it. So wound up by. Oh no! I've, I did have. I had amazing sushi, for example, in Rome last summer. But then a few weeks ago, when we were down in the south, um, and it was, it was just the season had just ended, so there weren't that many places open. There was one restaurant on the beach open, but we went there and it was lovely. And Jesse and I had shellfish and fish mm. and all this. And my husband Pete's allergic to shellfish, 
um, and Jesse's partner Dave doesn't really eat fish he doesn't like fish so I was like well, what, what can they have and there was one non-fish dish on the menu which was veal uh, they had veal and chips and I was like well fuck it it's a fucking seaside yeah. and then Pete and I had a fight because he was like Ugh. and I was and he was like and the veal wasn't very well cooked and I was like it's a fucking it's a, it's a restaurant on the beach it's a, it's, and you eat fish you should have had the fish like that's like going to an Indian restaurant mm. and ordering ham egg and chips <laughs> yeah. and complaining that it's not oh, it's exactly to yeah. your fucking standards it's like fuck you yeah. uh, but then my mother took his side so I lost the argument but anyway <laughs> it's a different time but yeah so what is going back to your bolognese that your friend rejected because of the spaghetti come on let's have it what's the authentic Varani ragu recipe um, okay, so you've got to start with, it's not just beef, so it's beef, mince and pork mince, that's really important. Excellent. And start off with Can some... you use sausages, if you, can, if you haven't got pork mince? I've always got sausages. Um, yeah, prefer, like, you mean like if you take the skin off and squeeze it out? Yeah, not okay, as not in... like whole bits of sausage. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't sure. She's just chopped up some hot dog, yeah, it's fine. Put it I, in I just like to dip a sausage in, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like a crouton. Yeah. Um, so half and half? Uh, yeah, half and half. Um, and also start off by frying some like streaky bacon or pancetta, mm-hmm. you, whatever you can find. I don't think you have to go and get pancetta. Um, and if you cook the pancetta slowly in olive oil, some of the fat renders and it gives you that really nice taste. Oh, yeah. um, there's no garlic in a ragu uh, recipe, in bolognese ragu, so don't put that in. Um, tomato paste, red wine mixed together. No carrot, no mushroom. Oh, no... sorry, I completely forgot a really important oh, step. Oh, sorry. Say. Uh, <laughs> yes, the, sof- the sofrito, which is uh, celery, onions and carrots, which you have to chop really, really small. That's also really important because mm. you kind of want them to get to a really soft, m- melty consistency. You don't want like a hard, no, you don't want that. You don't want no, onion no, in there. No. Then your kids won't fucking eat it. That's exactly. So, sorry. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so you're going to go with your um, streaky bacon first, your uh, onions, carrots and celery. Then you're going to add your uh, beef and pork mince. And then you're going to mix uh, tomato paste and red wine together. Pour that over the top and then some stock and allow that to simmer. Not um, a can I of tomatoes? No can of tomatoes. No, 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 no passata? No, I don't use passata, don't need none of that, just mm. the stock and everything. And just let that boil and you get a really rich, um, that oh. dark, dark kind of rich yeah, yeah, ragu, which yeah, is gorgeous. Really nice. And you should serve it with tagliatelle. That's really... The and in fact, the so it's not to offend your friend. Yes. Yes. So it's not to offend any Italian friends visiting. So tagliatelle, the reason being is that when you twist the spaghetti, the ragu all falls off and what happens is you end up having some kind of slightly dressed pasta at the end and then, like, and then like a, a big puddle of yeah, yeah exactly which if you have the tagliatelle they kind of wrap around the ragu and capture it or something like penne you know the tubes mm. that's really good because you can scoop the Sauce scoop in. the pasta in as well yeah. uh, Nigel Slater puts I think is it milk or cream in here yeah so how you, do you can feel about that? no that's good alright You the, 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 the act, I don't tend to do it but the um, I did for a while and I actually thought well and then I ran out of milk and then it kind of tasted the same but the, the point is is that it was used in the past to like tenderise the meat and neutralise some of the acidity from the tomato paste mm. but it's not it's absolutely not essential mm. and parmesan are we putting parmesan on the end? yeah parmesan on the pasta first oh, oh this is mind-blowing bang yeah parmesan parmesan on the pasta first <gasps> then Fuck you put the, um, the mix the sauce all together never do the pasta with the sauce just on the top oh that's like a Domio advert. That's not real. Okie dokie. They're not real. They're not real. No. Um, Yeah. What what did you say? Like Italy's favourite sauce, made in Holland. (laughs) (laughs) So you put the so like so you put the cheese on and then you've got your you've drained your pasta. Right. Um, It's gone back in the pot. Cover it with your Parmesan cheese. Get it stirred around. Then uh, you know put your uh, pasta and cheese into your 
uh, bolognese Sauce. ragu. Mix it up, and then before you serve it, you put some more Parmesan cheese. Oh yeah, double oh. double cheese. Double, double, double cheese. Double dip cheese. Yeah. Oh, yes. And that's actually that is in the official recipe of how to prepare uh, ragu alla bolognese in the Bologna Chamber of Commerce. It's actually registered there, oh. as is a golden tagliatella, which is a golden template of what a tagliatella should be. I think it's 20 centimetres. Wow. I mean, people say Italians take food too seriously. What was I saying about being pellicotin? <laughs> Uh, I Amazing. fucking love Bologna as a city. Oh, it's like the capital, it's actually the capital of food. Yeah. And the mortadella, <laughs> fuck me, you could ride that thing. Yeah. I mean, as in, as in, as in like, a, like a pony. It was, oh. it's, 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 so, it's like, it's the girth of a basketball. It's extraordinary. Oh. Oh, wouldn't touch the sides after two kids. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's one of my favourite meats. <laughs> oh, I can eat mortadella all day. Yes, I, I've got to be honest, Pete likes the mortadella. Oh, I love it's it. It's just fucking spam my with nuts in it. My uncle told me he told me it was made of donkey. Donkey? <laughs> I no. It's not, but he told me it's made of donkey. And I, he said, yeah. And I I, used to, I wish he was around now because his sense of humour was just the darkest, most sarcastic, awesome. driest sense of humour ever. And he told all of us at the table, we were enjoying these really lovely sandwiches. You used to love picking the bits of pistachio out. Yeah, that's, that's my favourite thing. And he was like, are you kids enjoying those sandwiches? And we were like, yeah, oh my God, thanks, Johnny. They're really nice, yeah. You know what that stuff's made of, don't you? And we were like, what? Donkey. <laughs> and he was like, Marta means dead in Italian, which it does. Yeah. And Della means donkey. And we... Dead donkey? I knew it didn't. I knew that Della wasn't donkey. <laughs> no, it means donkey. Eeyore. Everybody knows that. <laughs> so we, yeah, for many years, we didn't eat it. But then actually, as with lots of stuff, you find out that you just really like the taste, so you forego. Oh, the, you fucking... You know, oh, all day long. over the animal, yeah. Oh, my uh, God. It's fucking spam with nuts in. Fuck it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now... So you've really blown our minds, Daniel, with your ragu chat. But if people want more Daniel Verani cooking tips, you've written a book, Daniel. <laughs> yeah, I Tell did. us about your book. Uh, so my book, how did that come about? So I really missed going home for dinner. When I moved down to Hove at the start of lockdown, um, my idea was that I was going to be coming up at the weekends, finishing work on a Friday, going to stay at home. And up until that time, I would often go home for dinner on Friday or Saturday. And to I your parents' it, house. To my parents' yeah. house, yeah. And, so, and my sister would be there, and we'd all be there arguing away, calling each other horrible names, and but eating some nice food in the process. Uh, and um, I really missed it. I really, really, really missed it. And so what I started doing was having these conversations with my mum, well, you know, what are you preparing for dinner? So she was saying, well, I'm going to do this. So I started doing it. And then... Oh, so, you, so you're cooking and kind eating of the same in, as your in mum? Oh, like, my God, that's And then um, I started taking pictures of what I had done and sent them home to her to look at. And um, I know this idea came about storing them somewhere and one of my friends very helpfully but kind of bitchily said oh don't be one of those people that post photos of their food on instagram and i was like oh, okay you bastard so i <laughs> i set up a separate instagram and started photographing food and it just like built some traction and then eventually someone said oh, you know you should put these all together in a book and that's what happened that's what i did and it was about like just sharing some of the memories around particular meals or when we would eat certain foods and of course like when christmas came that was really painful because um I I'd never had a Christmas away from, well one when I was living in Australia and mm. that was weird for all kinds of reasons I don't like eating prawns at Christmas and it being like sunny outside I'm so sorry but, Jesus yeah. <laughs> I hate it warm weather and lovely yeah. seafood Ooh. I hate being surrounded by gorgeous men on Bondi Beach <laughs> don't we all being fed seafood actually that's a very different that's actually quite nice I realised <laughs> so, um, no it's too fucking up yeah no uh, that was so um, 
you know, and uh, we, we made like an agnolini brodo, which are like these pasta parcels filled with um, parmesan cheese and breadcrumbs, and they said mm. a really rich like chicken broth. And Fuck me. It was really nice. And so it was about, well, when do you have these? Do you have? And I was explaining to Ryan a lot of the time, like when we would have what it so was. So Ryan, your partner is not Italian. He's not Italian. Right. He's of Irish heritage. Right. Um, and so, yeah. And so that was mainly it. And lots of the memories came up about like... You know, in the run up to Christmas, making those annulini with my nonna. And my, well, I didn't make them. I used to have to do like sweep the floor or mm. you know bring more flour over because that yeah. was their role, mm. and I had mine. Um, and yeah, so it was a book about just sharing those reflections around food and how to make stuff actually that I thought before I started making was really difficult stuff, and actually it's not. Lots of it's just about being a bit well organised, which I'm generally not, but I try, um, and just having the recipe to follow. Mm. Um, nothing is really complicated. It's just various stages of, of assembly and all that mm. kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and people liked it. I people responded and so it kind of pushed me to go a bit further. And, and mm. I love it. And obviously, you might be listening to me, you would say it, it's your friend. But honestly, I just, I got my copy of the book and I just love it. The photographs are beautiful. The recipes are fantastic. But most of all for me, genuinely, is, it is the writing. Um, and I don't think that's just because I know you. I think... It's the, it's the tone that I love. I love recipe books, and it's the tone that I like, and it reminds me of um, Nigella and Nigel Slater, of oh that gosh, thing of you're, it's someone talking to you. It's mm. not just like, and this dish originated in 1898, and make sure you go and buy the most expensive parmesan. It's not all that. It's like, chat, 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 like this is, and this is why this recipe, and this is how it's like this, and you can try this, and you're not very rigid. You're not very like, and this is how it must be done. Mm. And like you've been on this podcast, you're actually quite flexible. So I like... <laughs> in your tone but I honestly Daniel I love oh, it I love thanks. it and I'm so I'm so in awe oh, of you gosh, I'm not going to say proud so of you because that's slightly patronising but I'm honestly oh. in awe and I, I wish I could write about food like you it's brilliant oh gosh well thank you very much I love putting it together it was just something about eating um, which I do a lot of um, <laughs> is um it's so special mm. and it's nice to just I don't know I'd never really thought about articulating it before but actually had a lot of time as mm. well during mm. lockdown to think yeah. about it I think we all got into it, Italians you know. in very different ways in the last yes. oh did we yeah yeah yeah, oh. yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, some of them got into us <laughs> oh wonderful <laughs> lovers Italian I must say they're my favourite is that true yeah, yeah. My, my top bit one. racist is it? Is it? <laughs> it's not it's just think... a statement of fact. I know, but I say that to other single women. They're like, oh yeah, Italians, they know how to service a lady. Hospitality. Yeah. <laughs> Generosity of spirit. That's right. Well, let's find out now. <laughs> Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> back after this break. <laughs> In right. sexuality. I'll put the advert there. The advert there. <laughs> oh, sorry. Have you got any cigarettes? Anyway, uh, moving on. Moving on. Thanks, Daniel. Um, yes, and also your book. It doesn't just have photos of the food. It has these lovely photos of, of Italy, but also mm. your family. Like yeah. your uncle Johnny's in there that you were just talking uh, about, isn't he? He's in there. As yeah, he's in there actually in their in their cafe, which was on Finchley yes. Road, back uh, in, uh, holding like a pie with a pair of donkey's ears sticking <laughs> out of it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that was that. That was my on my mum's side of the family. That was uh, where they first set up their business, which was on Finchley Road. Um, and then there's photos of uh, my dad in his cafe, which I think you enjoyed. Um, there was a picture of uh, where the house is, where our family comes from. The, it's called Vernaska. It's just the most beautiful, beautiful place. And it was also because I hadn't been able to go. To, I've not been to Italy now for like two years, I think. When I used to go at least once a year, I really, really missed it. And mm. it's such a beautiful place where we grew up. There was, you know, again, surrounded by food, but in a different way because we had plum trees, fig trees, peach trees, walnut trees, um, peppers, I don't know, bloody everything was growing there. And so it was nice just to reminisce and kind mm. of have a tangible thing uh, that made me feel a bit more connected yeah. to it. And also because your partner works in the NHS, so he Correct. was away a lot of the time, in, yeah. well, out of the house a lot yeah, of the time in lockdown. Yeah, he was lockdown, really, right? really long shifts, really, really long shifts. Um, and what was really nice was being able to like cook really nice food for him as well. And mm. he came home and, and just would have some really nice food waiting for him. And, and you'd I put the was... bolognese on the table and give him a little clap. Is that yeah. what you did every day? <laughs> That's what I'd do. And oh. then I said, now you clap for me, right? <laughs> So that was really nice because it was a, I was able to like look after him because the shifts that they were doing were crazy and some of the stuff they were dealing with was sounded absolutely horrific and mm. I, I would never be able to even begin to understand what that feels like for those people that were working in it uh, during that pandemic. So in, in a, that also felt nice. But I should say actually that if it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't have written the book. Mm. Um, I was very lucky to have him there, kind of pushing me to do it. And when you know you have these moments where you think. I didn't plan to do this. Now I'm doing it. Who cares? Like, who's going to want to read it? Who cares about my bolognese on spaghetti that should be on television? You know what I mean? Like, so he was there pushing me and really um, just giving me that space as well when I needed it to mm. crack on and write stuff and, and, now, and taste the food. As and well. now you're doing, um, you're saying you're doing dinner parties in Brighton. Yeah. I'm just going to flog you now. I mean, yeah. not, not in that no, way. Flog, but <laughs> <laughs> we did that already. You did, you did, the did, break. did I did I did little um uh, meal kits. Right. So I sent out um they were like meal kits with um a couple of recipe cards in. I think there was three recipes in each meal kit so you could have like a starter main and dessert. Mm. Um uh, with a Spotify playlist like oh. QR code on the on the Cute. side. It was kind of fun. That was really good fun. So um I'll probably do some of those again at Christmas but at the moment I'm looking at um, yeah, dinner parties and catering for parties and I've done some cooking workshops as well in people's houses so we've done like a pasta making workshop, a workshop which was really nice um, what I need to be careful of is that I have to remember that the Prosecco is for my guests <laughs> <laughs> did you <laughs> get shit faced like, at your pasta well, making just end up sitting down with my legs crossed going like yeah okay bring it over here I have a taste um, <laughs> is so it like airplanes you have to remember that Prosecco at the pasta party is like three at yeah, normal exa- time yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. that too yeah so those have been really fun and we just go through making some really lots of Italian food is really simple um, but it's actually quite elegant and I think that's what has been the biggest surprise for lots of the people that I've worked with in these cooking classes is that they'll make something like really really simple like a homemade pesto that they've never made before put it together with some pasta 
and actually it ends up being like one of the most delicious lunches you've had or learning yeah. to make arrabbiata with chilies for example that I in the summer I was taking ones from my house um, you can buy a chili plant and you can make you know arrabbiata yourself um, teaching people how to make carbonara properly which is like what three ingredients I think um, and people are like oh there's no cream or there's no cheese there's no um, like soft cheese or anything like that and you're like, no it's just uh, working with the eggs and, the, and and good quality ingredients and people really enjoy the kind of um, the camaraderie in the, in that mm. session like mm. you're making the pasta you're making the sauces I'm drinking the prosecco. <laughs> Uh, it's a really, just smoking it's a really, a cigarette going, yeah, yes, exactly. yes, wrong, wrong. <laughs> yeah. Also, I have to remember they're not my family, so I have to speak to them really politely. <laughs> Lesson one, don't swear at guests. Um, so that's going quite well, and it's, it's good fun. It's really fun, actually, seeing people enjoy the recipes that I've put together. I mean, the, you know, carbonara is not my recipe. You may be surprised I, I didn't invent it. Um, but just showing people how to make it and seeing how delighted they are when they actually taste it. Mm. Yeah. It's really, really, it's, it's a good, it's, it's a good experience. Yeah, I remember the first time I made proper pesto uh, and being like, oh my God, this is completely, this is not related to the stuff in the jars that you bought. Like, this no. is completely different stuff. To the point where my fucking children won't eat it. That's <laughs> me up the wall. They'll eat the shit that's been boiled in oh, yeah, its life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They won't eat fucking, you know, five quids worth of fucking basil and parmesan. Oh my God. Parmesan or pecorino? Uh, pecorino. Mm. Oh, I love a pe- I could mm. eat, I, I eat pecorino like an apple. Like, it's so, it's so good. So good. And it's just so good. generates a those sort of amazing kind but of that said can I just say sorry about pecorino yeah. and parmesan or whatever like what we're saying about being rigid and be, mm-hmm. you know when I grew up that wasn't the case that my mum would be like oh I'm going out to get pecorino <laughs> <laughs> yes. like, yeah. pecorino could, time you're probably going to get it so they're like well what have I got so you use parmesan mm-hmm. I mean oh god there's going to be some people like being like oh my god this guy what's he saying Correct. you yeah. just use you know I'm not saying to you this is uh, the regimented correct way of doing it but in terms of the final result if you're cooking for your family then you know it doesn't have to be pecorino if you've got parmesan use parmesan yeah. if the parmesan if there's two parmesans and it's a bit difficult to get the one that costs eight quid get the one that costs two quid like it's you know don't yeah it shouldn't be a stressful experience and it shouldn't be like oh god i've got to drive to this really far away italian deli in king's cross to yeah, buy the right yeah. cheese mm. you can you can use it and sometimes i've made pesto where i haven't made it with pine nuts because i thought mm, i don't feel like spending five pounds on a bag of pine nuts today so i've used whatever i've got you can make it mm. you can make pesto with all kinds of different ingredients literally as well. anything yeah. Yeah. literally i mean one time i just didn't have basil so i basil so i just used some grass off the lawn it was absolutely fine oh, lovely. very fresh it's very fresh yeah but i remember being about 12 and i don't think i i saw a recipe in a book for carbonara and i don't think i'd ever had it and i was like i'm gonna cook that i'm gonna i was quite into cooking even then and my mum was like yeah fine go for it and i was like oh parmesan we don't have any parmesan and she was like i'll just use cheddar <laughs> I was like, yeah, fine, and I did, and it was lovely, and that's how I'm I not cooked sure it. About that. <laughs> I'm trying to see where your line is. We've now taken it too far. No, I don't make it like that anymore. But for years and years, and when I was a student, that's what I made it with cheddar. Egg and you know, cheddar. Yeah. But also, you're using you're using what's available, and you're making something from scratch, and that's really important. I think that teaches you to kind of respect yourself and respect the food, the ingredients that you're using. So, if you've got cheddar, fine, make it with cheddar. Did it taste nice? Did you love it? Yes, for, for many years, and then I started making it with parmesan when I could afford parmesan. And I was like, oh no, yeah, this is nice. But <laughs> really I still, nice. I enjoy the cheddar years man yeah. I, yeah. they were good the years the cheddar chapter <laughs> yeah. there's a really amazing recipe as well I don't know if you've seen it it's in Nigella Lawson's book and she she had this whole avalanche of trolling after it which was pasta with marmite have you seen it yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Book, yes it is delicious yeah. and it was really cute because I remember seeing on this blog where she put like I wrote it with Anna Del Conde like trying to justify because all these people were like what the hell have you done this mm. is a disgrace but actually that's 
two really simple ingredients, butter, well three, spaghetti, butter and marmite. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's absolutely delicious. So yummy. I don't know yeah. what the cost of that is. Is it like, I'd be like 11p a portion? Be, I don't yeah. know. Like, it's tiny, really, it'd be tiny you know, milk. So. Not a umami for your 11p though. Yeah, yeah and her carbonara recipe, I, I, I love it. It's one of my favorite pieces of food writing ever where she talks about um, this is a thing that you should cook on your first the first time you spend the whole night with a with a new partner and how you should just make it in the pan and then take it back to bed in the pad and I'm always oh. like oh it's so romantic and also I'm a bit horny now no. uh, it's lovely and I, I did I did that recently um, you know a couple of months back with a with a really lovely young Italian chap and he said I will come and cook you carbonara I've mentioned on the podcast before and it was such a joy that, that felt like a that he was trying to tell me that he liked me in in that kind of way and, and we grated the parmesan and, and pecorino to together and he made it and this is like oh this is how I make it at home and it was a really and he stayed overnight and all that sort of stuff lovely times um but yeah I, I really like I like when men because I'm dating at the moment offered to cook me um dinner and it's happened a few times and I just think it does make such a difference it feels like such yeah. a nice it's not just oh, I'm just here for a quick shag see you later bye there, there's there's some, for a shag and food yes exactly <laughs> which is really all I ever want I'll from you up in two honest. ways yes, yes. <laughs> That'd be fine by me. <laughs> That's all I... Put it I... in my tummy. Put it in my... Anyway. <laughs> Put it in my ear. Any hole. I don't mind. We're all here Bellissimo. for a good time. Yes. Oh. Oh. dish. Oh, yes. Oh, that's it. Where do you put the olives? <laughs> Oh dear. <laughs> anyway, back to your book, Danny. Um, what is your book called and where can people find it? So um, it's uh, Danny's Kitchen Simple Italian Handbook, and you can go onto my in- Instagram, which is Danny's Kitchen underscore Hove, and there's a link there to uh, my website where you can get the book. Um, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll put it all in. And do follow him on yes. Instagram for lovely pictures of oh, lovely food. Oh, and I love pictures of food on He's the internet. So, I love it. So um, it's brilliant. Amazing. Now, uh, we should we should finish off, as always, Helen Thorne, with our Scummy Mummy Confessions. As I as I'd like to mention, I was recently in Italy and we got the Stansted Express home from the airport. And uh, my six-year-old son, we were on the on the train. It was quite quiet. You know, they're weirdly quiet, those airport yeah, yeah. trains, always, because everyone's, everyone's knackered. yeah. And uh, my six-year-old son just went, we're all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, um... Uh, and, you know, I've read parenting books about how you're supposed to, you know, not just shut fine. it down. Just to go, okay, why, why do you think we're going to die? And he's like, there's an assassin on the train. <laughs> and we were like, um, okay, darling, yes, fine, fine. Uh, yes, and he's like, yeah, we're all going to die. We're all going to die on this train. And we were like, Shh. anyway, do you want to look at your comic again? Uh, and we were all sort of laughing about it. The funny things kids say. And then suddenly my mate looked at his phone and he was like, um, yeah, they're just evacuating the train and left yet. And he was like, we're just evacuating Stansted because there's, uh, there's, unex- there's an unexplained package been left in the oh. middle of the airport. And we were like, oh, God, does he know? <laughs> My child's either a psychic or a terrorist. What's going on? <laughs> and uh, luckily, clearly, it was, it was fine. The package was nothing. The train left. Uh, we were fine but yeah I'm, I'm terrified of my own child so a lovely story <laughs> a lovely way to end a lovely family holiday that is a nice thing um, Daniel do you have a scummy story for us well yeah I was thinking about it and I was I don't obviously I don't have children yet but um, I have uh, some wonderful godchildren and uh, the first time that I looked you are an actual godfather I'm actual, I am a godfather not the but a <laughs> um, so I was looking after Rory my goddaughter and it was the first time I had to, she was still a baby at the time 
and it was my first like afternoon with the child so I was like you know feeling pretty cool and we went to this gorgeous cafe in Stoke Newington and we had she loved tuna sweet corn so I ordered like a small thing of tuna and sweet corn and she was like eating and then I could smell like shit basically and I was yeah. like okay all right first test let's go so like bundled all this stuff up I mean well the child and uh, went downstairs to the bathroom to try and unpackage her from this like dungaree set and winter jacket oh why everything. would you put a baby in dungarees they've made an error oh there that's God, not was, fair there were so many clothes on her and with each layer like the Oof. onion it was like getting worse and then eventually <laughs> you know, I, I got to the source and I literally I actually physically heaved <laughs> and I couldn't do it so I just really? buttoned everything back up <laughs> Daniel and then, because I thought, well, she's not crying. It's just because of me that we're here. Because she wasn't complaining. She, I, I could smell it. So, and then I just took her back to her mum. Was like, oh, I'm really sorry. I've got to go into work. Like, <laughs> and um, but the the poo justice came because um, years later, her mum and Rory came over to my house, uh, and they came with their baby brother, and he pooed himself. So Sophie took the nappy off. And I was really concerned with the fact that Rory was getting jam hands all over my TV. Totally lost focus on the baby who went into my bedroom and shat on the floor. And then he stepped in it with his little feet and walked oh. it round to my side of the bed. <laughs> because it was originally on Ryan's side of the bed. So I was like, well, that's oh. fine. That's really right. oh. And um, he walked it round. The carpets are light. Oh, Daniel. Yes. Don't uh, have night carpets and children carpet. in your house. You've I won't ever again. <laughs> Covered all children. Yeah, <laughs> and the jam handprints are still on the TV. I don't have to get it off. Yeah, so that's all my fault because I should have just changed that baby when I had the chance. Yeah, yeah. Daniel Varani, you are a scummy mummy. Yeah. Thank, Thank you very you. much. So what a wonderful story. Thank you so much. What a journey we've been that. on, Ellie. What? Uh, what we've what been to Italy. We've had shit on our carpet. What? <laughs> we've been in the air. We've joined the Mile High Club. We've had it off in your hotel room. We've had a threesome. Oh. It's been it's been a magical magical journey. It has. Uh, yes. So once again, your book, Danny's Kitchen. Yes, uh, Danny's Kitchen underscore Hove is the Instagram, and it's Danny's Kitchen uh, Simple Italian Handbook. Yes, and it's honestly beautiful. I, think I gave some for Christmas presents last year because it's just it's just lovely. It's lovely, wonderful. Well done. Uh, we've got a shop and that, haven't we? ScummyMummyShop.com. We and we're and we're touring up and down the country. Uh, go to ScummyMummies.com yeah. uh, for all those sort of details. I've, my book's still out. Get divorced, be happy. It's available in Australia and over here, and you can listen to it on audiobook. And on the audiobook, Ellie, of course, narrates her own chapter. I do. The, some of the audio in that very book Helen mm. uh, one take absolutely fine uh, no problem uh, professional um, but yes going back to our shop because I would like to make some money out of oh, all yes, the very fucking, good idea. Uh, things we've invested in it um, yes you can get wine mugs Helen you get mugs that say wine mug on them. Unbelievable. That's what you can get a gin mug now. We're gonna, I think we're going to bring back the mulled wine mugs yes, for Christmas. Yes, Christmas. Uh, and we're going to bring out um, a divorced and single range of things. And we've got a few more different, like we've got a crop tea, we've got a scoop neck tea, yeah. all the teas. Box, boxy, boxy tea now. Boxy got tea, a boxy yeah. Thing? yeah boxy. Do you like a boxy tea, Daniel? What's a boxy tea? It's a tea that's boxy, you moron. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're also thinking about branching out into joggers. I mean, because that's what everyone thinking needs. Thinking about joggers. We're going to bring back the Jingal Bells jumpers. Oh and what's the idea I came up with for oh your God, range, Helen? so good. Single bells. Single bells! <laughs> Single bells! That's the money shot right there. We should put that in the show. Single bells. Single, Single bells. bells. Fuck off, you're a prick. <laughs> I don't know. 
I'm just thinking off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, that's a good idea, that. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. write that after yeah, yeah. lunch. Uh, right, excellent. Oh, Daniel Varane. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for coming on <laughs> the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's been lovely. Oh, absolute joy. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Until next time. It's always a pleasure. It's always a joy. Oh. I feel I feel lighter. I do too. Do yeah, it's because we haven't had any breakfast. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've just been smoking cigarettes and eating, drinking grappa. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.